The Above 180 podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com/above180 to support the show and see if you qualify. Hi, I'm Lindsay Boomershine, brand manager of High Five Gear. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Have your jersey tell your story. Order online at www.high5gear.com today. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Order today and enjoy high5gear.com. Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Mike Jasnow. You can find Mike at Lane 81 at the National Bowling Stadium in Reno, Nevada. He is a PBA champion and a USBC Silver Level coach. Mike, Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Tim. Always a pleasure to talk to you. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm doing well, Mike, and it's been quite a while since we last chatted, so I guess first things first, we're going to hit on some coaching issues. We're going to hit on um, some stuff coming up with the Open Championships, both the men and the women. Yep. But let's begin with the World Series of Bowling, and it was held out there at the stadium by you, uh, Lane 81, and you did some coaching with some players. So let's begin there. What were some of the things that you helped some of the guys with that you were coaching? Well, it, it kind of varies by player, but um, it's always fun for me during the World Series there in Reno because, one, I get to see a lot of people that I used to bowl with that are still bowling amazingly. It's, it's incredible. Um, sort of like Parker and Norm, how they can keep doing it and keep being good at it. <laughs> but um, it's just good to watch good bowling, um, good lane play, good releases. You can learn a lot by watching. So I always learn a lot when I work with the pros, actually. So it's always fun for me those two weeks. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny also, a lot of my friends, oh, you have to work with the pros for two weeks. That must be so easy. Actually, it's really, really hard. Uh, they're trusting me with something very important. Obviously, they're games. And with the pros, it's so subtle. Little things can make a big difference as far as consistency of ball motion and actual ball motion, but nothing is obvious. So it's actually a lot, lot more brain work to work with the highest level bowlers. Yeah, I've actually I've heard that. You know, it's much easier to take a guy who averages or a gal who averages one twenty and get him to one forty or fifty than taking Absolutely. a pro who's maybe missing that one ten pin, you know, kicking out the, the ten pin that one extra ball a game to put them into the two thirties yep. or two forties or two fifties. Um so Correct. one of the things too, I'm sure that at that point you're dealing with a lot of field players. Um but how 
can you try to explain that to our listeners regarding a field player and and whether that's you know because we have this vision in our head of how we throw it and what we're feeling but for a pro it, it it's 10 times easier for them to understand the the feeling part of their game yeah and obviously we're talking about the highest level of our sport you know just like in any sport the highest level they have a tremendous ability um but some people, like, for an instance, an E.J. Tackett, he's really a field bowler, um, where he doesn't want to think much about physical game stuff. He just wants to bowl, you know, and not think much, which is fine. Everybody has their own personality as a bowler, um, as opposed to somebody else that might be a lot more technical. He's going to be more aware of a lot of the physical game stuff and kind of less free-flowing, maybe. <laughs> but that's where you have to know the player you're working with and kind of adjust what you're doing to that individual player. Yeah, so what was, um, and without using names, you're naming names, what were some of the things that guys were, were coming to you for and, um, and working on and, and such? Well, most of the time, especially with the, the touring pros, when they come to me, it's because something's not going right on the lane. Uh, ball motion isn't right. It's not really in the lane in the right spot, not going pins the right way. Uh, there are bad shots end up in opens. Um, so a big part of with them is finding out what the issue is on the lane and then kind of backtracking to, okay, well, maybe this little thing in your approach is causing that. And then we make little tweaks in the approach, and then we can see a change of ball motion for the better, which kind of tells us we're on the right track. Um, but, you know, and some people, physical game stuff that they always fight, so if that makes your listeners feel better, most bowlers, even at the highest level, they all fight their own things, <laughs> and they fight them repeatedly. So that should make everybody feel better. I get so many questions from uh, people I take lessons. Why does my body fight me on this? Why does it keep going back to that? Well, your body kind of knows what it was taught initially and doesn't like to go away from that. doesn't mean you can't be done, but that so-called muscle memory can be pretty strong. And, Mike, I know we've talked in the past about what it what it's like when you coach an athlete who comes in a, a – a you know say a pro baseball player like I know you've mentioned earlier you you worked with John Burkett you've worked with Mookie Betts and you've worked with a few of those guys but it seems to me like when they come to you for a lesson what's your reaction and what um, what do you see from them as opposed to maybe your average uh, not your pro but your average guy who, who takes a lesson at Lane eighty one um kind of there's some similarities obviously somebody like Mookie or somebody like John is um, they're already top athletes in their in their own respective sports. So they have that kind of ingrained of they're competitive. They have that drive to want to be better. They want to learn. They want to compete harder and, and better and smarter. So they just have a different level of awareness and, and competitiveness, I guess. Um, the other thing is, and we were kind of talking before we got on air here, of how they, they want to practice all the time and get better, you know, as opposed to, I would say, um, out of all the lessons I do in lane 81, have everybody fill out a questionnaire first. And one of the questions is how many practice games per week? I would say about 80% say zero. They bowl their three or six games of league and they never practice. Well, I don't know of any athlete in any sport that's really good that never works on their, their game. <laughs> You know, so it's kind of different mentalities almost. Now, is there, and I'm guessing there isn't a right number of games to practice, but 
is there a certain point where if you're working on a fuel thing, you need to throw at least – I know you need the muscle memory to change if you're working on changing something. And yeah. It takes a certain number of shots for that. But if you're just, just general out going out there to work on, uh, work on some things, is it six or is it nine games or is it more what you do during each of those games that counts? I think it's more what you do, and I think it's about being very specific and having a clear, specific focus when you're working on something. You should always be working on one tiny little thing at a time, not five things at once. You know, um, I remember this one lesson, and, you know, during my lessons, I can pick up pretty quickly on the bowler's personality. This one guy was very careful, very precise, got up on the approach, stood there for too long before he threw a shot. So I asked him what he was thinking about. And he went through a checklist, and I was timing him. It took him 12 seconds to tell me what he thought about during his approach. And I told him his math was off. He didn't know what I meant. I said, your approach takes less than three seconds. It took you 12 seconds to tell me what you tried to think about in less than three. You know, that's just not possible. And then the body can get locked up, and then you feel like, oh, I can't do it. Well, you're trying to do too much at once. Well, you know, and, and, So I think, you know, when you practice – you might do, even if it's 10, 20 shots, I'm going to commit, I'm going to do this one little piece this way for these shots, and that's all you care about. If you do that one piece, well, that was a good shot. Then you can go on to another piece. And then as you do that, your body will tell you what it will accept kind of willingly and what it will fight you on. Well, don't pick the things that will fight you on when you're bowling for score. Pick the things your body gives you. you know, so maybe you go league it and say, all right, tonight I'm going to, come back, I'm going to do this one little thing. You know, and that's kind of how you start. You can't think too much or else your brain gets in the way, basically. Yeah, so let's – another thing, we talk about coaching and coaches. And with a lot of the pros, they maybe work with one or two or three different people or have worked at least in the past with. How do, how do you as a coach work with someone who maybe has been to a couple other people? And then on the, on the bowler side of things, how, do, how should we kind of filter out from coaches, because every coach has a little bit of a different perspective on things. Correct. And I, I tell everybody, you know, listen to what everybody says. Try, you can try everything, keep what works for you. It's different for everybody. Uh, but that's where, as a coach, you can't just have a cookie cutter, this is how you do it. You have to work with an individual bowler to enhance their game. And what's right for one person may be completely wrong for somebody else. You know, but yeah, you, you get as much information as you can, and you keep what works, basically. I like to keep things simple. I do not like complicated things, especially in sports. You have to have that clear mind, that clear picture. And that's the main thing I see with the highest level bowlers. It's just they have a different level of awareness and focus of what they're doing, what they're seeing, and what they want to, to do. You know, a lot of people just get up there and they bowl without much thought. You know, the pros, and I talked to John Burkett about this also, said, you know, when you needed a pitch in the World Series, let's say it's three and two, bottom of the ninth, you need this out, you, you can't be thinking too much, and you have to visualize exactly what you want the way you want it. You don't visualize, like, oh, my God, don't throw a ball and walk for a winning run it, or else you're going to do that. Well, I'm you talking know, so about... you have to really have those thoughts in order. Mike, how much of that is behind the lanes, though, when we're we're even paying attention to the people we're, we're crossing with, whether it's whether this is a tournament, whether this is bowling league, and you have on a league shot, let's say you're bowling on a five, you know, ten guys on the pair, and half of them are lefties. Well, obviously then the lanes are going to play a little, and you're a righty, the lanes are going to play a little different yeah. than the week before 
when you had Correct. 10 righties on the pair. But talk about how, how yep. that gets lost in the translation for a lot of bull, our guys throwing urethane or gals throwing urethane or you got people that with higher rev players yep. that are inside of you. Talk about how that gets lost in the translation for, for a guy more like me than the pros because they're always aware of their surroundings and taking mental notes. And in, in some cases, you mentioned Parker. I heard he had a notebook of every lane Absolutely. at the stadium. Yep. So he knew what to do at every, you know, oh, this pair hooks more, this Correct. lane is a little different, et cetera. Yep, and that's just the difference of the level of the highest level compared to everybody else is they pay more attention to things. They might look a pair ahead. Okay, who am I following? Was there urethane on that pair? Obviously, if it's game four and you're moving pairs, you can't go crazy and think like, oh, my God, I don't know all the bowls that bowled on this pair. <laughs> yeah, because you just kind of throw your ball and read it and make, make your adjustments if needed. But that's the thing, too. The, the key and the goal is always to make good, clean shots. That's your best chance of reading ball reactions. Yeah, you know? I know. But one like thing. Says, those throws, you're right. They have, there's a lot that goes into making good shots and their games that people don't realize. Even just like in Reno, that was a long stretch of two weeks of a lot of bowling. And there were basically three days of practice. And those bowlers out there were working hard practicing. And not just bowling, but working on stuff. And that's a difference where... Most 200 house, house bowlers, if they go to practice, eh, it might be a, a game or two, but they just bowl, and they, they're bowling for score. They're not working on their games. As opposed to the pros, they work on their games. When they're not bowling, they're, they're reading stuff on mental game. They're going to the gym to work out. They work hard to be as good as they are. Mike, have you had any bowlers come with you? This was something I know from, from some people I talked to. With the urethane being, I mean, coming back out into into vogue, you could say on the tour, have you had any guys come to you or seek out lessons because they're running into trouble on the lane part of things and they want to change maybe something in their physical game? Or how much does that play a part into into what you do and then even what they see on the lanes? Yeah, that does play a part. Physical game, I mean, in my opinion, everything that happens on the lane is basically a result of your approach. So if other bowlers you're bowling with have a great ball motion and you don't, you're probably creating that bad ball motion somehow with something either in your approach or either wrong line or wrong ball. So there's something not right. Um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, there's way more involved. Now, as far as urethane, I, and, yeah, there's been more urethane used, I think, especially on short patterns. People figured out that's the way to go. Um, but... You know, I, I still don't recommend urethane as an overall. I'm going to switch to urethane because not everybody's doing that. They're only doing it on certain conditions. You know, so it's not like a fix-all. Now, for some guys that overhit it and overmuscle it with urethane, they can get away with it because they're not going to overreact as much. Now, do you recommend? This is the one thing that I've I've done this a few times. Tell me if I'm I'm doing something that I should be or shouldn't be. When I when I go out and practice, if it's just your typical house shot, I'll bring my urethane with me because I know it'll make me release the ball a little bit better. I won't have near as much area to hit and, on your normal shot, and I'll actually probably have to throw it a little bit better to get it to face up and carry the corners out. To some degree, because you're going to have less room to the right. You may have a little bit more hold, though, because it's not going to overreact. And you can kind of grab it, and it's not going to overreact. So it works both ways. You might have less room to the right because it's not going to come back as much. But you have more room for error as far as if you overhit or hit up on it, it's not going to jump like it would with reactive. So you can get away with those kind of bad releases. Or you may get away with a, a bigger miss in because it's not going to hook as much. 
All right, Mike, final thing I want to hit on regarding coaching, at least, is you, you did some, um, some writing in your bowling this month pieces where you talked about wet-dry. And this is something that affects some bowlers more than others. Sometimes mm-hmm. it, it affects pros. It affects all of us. But let's talk a little bit about wet-dry and how to combat that um, from when maybe you start in the game to maybe even in a, in a later portion of league or a tournament play and how you would suggest bowlers try to uh, work around that sort of thing. Well, uh, there's several things. Um, sometimes you can create wet dry with a very muscled motion in your approach. If your arm and your swing is very muscled, it creates over and under reaction. Ball is going to hook early when it hits dry. It may not hook as much when it hits oil. So you kind of create that. Um, I did notice, like working nationals all the time, when they went to the thicker oils, like ice oil, the thicker oils do hold up longer. And what that means, people stay in the same place longer. You know, so then let's say you got 10 guys all playing between 7 and 10 on the fresh. Well, they might not have to move much for about a game. But then all of a sudden, the spot in the head goes because there's been so much, so many balls going through there. Well, then you, you make regular moves in, and then the ball doesn't hook because nobody's been in there yet. But then if you get it right early, it hooks early. So it could be kind of wet, dry in the heads is what I see happening with these thicker oils as the lanes break down as opposed to like on a fresh house shot when you have no oil right of 10 and a puddle in the middle. So there's two kinds of wet-dry, actually. Um, on the house shot wet-dry, I always think it's like keeping your speed up will help. The slower you throw it, the more boards you got to cover. And when they're wet-dry, the more boards you cover, the more bad things can happen, I think. <laughs> um, you can ball down and move right and keep your speed up. It's not going to overreact as much. You can move a little bit left and go to a stronger ball, and maybe keep your angles a little bit tighter if you're going to keep it in the oil. So kind of be aware of your head angle. Are you swinging it too much early? you hitting the heads early, and is that why it's jumping? I know when the, the heads get wet dry because of breakdown, it's good to make a couple little parallel moves. You don't make all two and ones and three and twos, then you get too open. You know, occasionally a little one and one might make a difference, or a two and two can make a big difference on those types of shots, especially with those new, newer, thicker oils. Mike, I want to take some time here to mention HealthIQ.com. They're a fine new sponsor of the Above180.com podcast. You can check them out. Now, what they are is they are a life insurance agency. So they're going to help you. You're looking for life insurance. And these people, what they specialize in if you're, is if you're healthy, if you're that bowler who's you're active, you're running, you go to the gym, you hike, you bike, you swim, you maybe run a, a half marathon or a full marathon or do triathlons. But these guys help you out, and they help you to save money on your life insurance by doing some tests online and getting pre-qualified that way. Then they're going to shop you around, and they're going to help you find the best deal for your money regarding health insurance. Now, Health IQ customers save on average of 56% more on their life insurance than other folks. All you have to do, check out healthiq.com forward slash above 180. That's healthiq.com forward slash above 180. Going to help you out there. Start the process out. I'm going through this right now for me and my wife. It's going great. Very simple, straightforward. Again, check out healthiq.com forward slash above 180. All right, Mike, let's move on here. Let's talk about what you what you got planned. You know, you're a fixture at either at lane 81. We can always find you. You can look ahead and, and line up a lesson yep. with you there. But you're a fixture as well with either the men's open championships or a lot of times the women's open championships. What are your plans for this year and where can folks find you? Well, this year, um, I considered going to Syracuse. I decided not to, though. 
for, for, for a few reasons, but um, I will be working the women's championships in Reno that runs from April 19th through June 30th. And during that time, I don't have the specific dates, but we're going to have the Queens tournament there, so all the women pros will be there, so that'll be a fun week for me. Um, I will also be out in Reno uh, in March, March 22nd through the 25th for the Storm Youth Championships, one of the higher-level youth tournaments around the country with lots of high-level youth bowlers. So that's always a fun event to work also. All right, and you hit on with the women there. Talk about kind of, it seems like there was this misnomer from when, when I was growing up and when you were even growing up where the women were more your down-and-in type players. Now you're starting to coach women, and you say, wow, and you can go watch the videos. The women are starting to really strap on the ball these days. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the evolution of sport. You know, the, the uh, Australian Open, the tennis was just on, and a lot of the younger players, you know, they're 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". They're muscular. They're flexible. They're powerful. Well, they're starting to be the older guys, you know, and same kind of thing in bowling. Uh, I don't think it's so much two-handed versus one-handed, but more revs, more speed, more power, maybe that knocks down pins more. I'm not saying that's a wrong thing, but, yeah, it's, the women's game is evolving, especially with the women's tour back. Um, I think there's a lot more competitive women who are going to college to get their education, maybe on a scholarship for bowling. But now they're thinking, you know what, when I graduate, I want to try the women's tour for a while. So there's a lot of women that are really kind of going for it. So there's more high-level women, I think. Um, so it is kind of fun, yeah. But, I mean, there's just like with the guys, you have all different rev rates. It tells you rev rates are not the, the determining factor of success necessarily. Even on the men's tour, referencing successful, consistent guys on tour, rev rates vary from probably upper 200 to around 300 to 600. Well, if rev rate mattered that much, half and double probably wouldn't work. You know, so there are a lot of other factors other than rev rate. But overall, a general statement, yeah, it's a little more speed, more power is not a bad thing. And you mentioned the Storm Youth uh, Tournament as well in Reno. Talk about for t- coaching a youth um, as someone who has a 13-year-old and probably is at point where he maybe needs a lesson if he wants to consider bowling more on a, on a competitive level and competitive basis. But at what point should, should folks start getting their, their youth to that lesson? Because I know f- um, a lot of times what you're trying to correct is bad muscle memory. So is it better to bring them in there when they're young so they don't create that bad muscle memory? Yeah, I think, you know, usually there's a kind of a cutoff age, somewhere between about 10 and 13 or 14 of, you know, the kids will decide, you know, I like bowling, but I want to know how to be better, you know, instead of just coming here Saturdays and bowling, you know. So it, you kind of have to leave it up to them. You can't push them too hard or else they might turn them off. But uh, I love working with the kids. They're, they're like sponges. They like to hear everything. And, you know, I always explain to the kids, like, you should never feel stupid about not knowing something if somebody hadn't taught you yet. And they look at me like, what are you talking about? So uh, I had this 10th grader recently. So, well, have you had calculus yet? I said, nope. I said, well, your first day of calculus, you might have 30 kids in class. But it's not 30 idiots. Nobody's been taught it yet. <laughs> you know, so as a youth bowler, there's so much they don't know about bowling. Lane play, balls, spare shoes, just approach that, I mean, it's great. They, they, you say, hey, try this, we'll try it. They have no fear, and it's awesome. And a lot of the youth, they don't want to bowl on easy shots all the time. They want the challenge of tougher shots, especially if they're going to go to college. Those, they don't bowl in house shots anymore in college. It's all sports shots. 
So right. the youth tournaments are awesome. Last year was my first time to, to be at a really high-level youth tournament, and it was amazing how many little kids, I'm talking like 8, 9, 10, that just throw it great. It's just crazy how good the, the youth is. And before we go, Mike, I have to remind folks, check out BowlingThisMonth.com, Bowling's best and most comprehensive technical resource. Mike, you do some stuff from them from time to time. You can check out Mike's articles. Still have a great piece right now of the top five things you can do to improve in 2018. We all can improve in 2018, certainly. And also check out the ball reviews, featured articles, all sorts of great stuff. Again, check that out. Bill and uh, everyone there at BowlingThisMonth.com do a great job, so check them out again bowlingthismonth.com. As many bowlers get ready for City, State, or even the USBC Open Championship in Syracuse, we want to look sharp on the lanes. Check out highfivegear.com. Use promo code ABOVE180 for $20 off your order. Great stuff with using that code. Lots of great stuff. Now, these clothes were designed by bowlers for bowlers. So they breathe, the shirts breathe, the pants breathe. They're going to help you design it. There's no hidden artwork fees. Thousands of designs. Let your jersey tell your story when you're bowling out there. Also, do have the Above180.com logo. You can use that if you'd like to. Please just let uh, let the folks know there. Let Alyssa know. If you're interested, again, check them out. High5gear.com. High5gear.com today. Make sure you use promo code ABOVE180. That's going to get you $20 off your order. Again, no hidden artwork fees. How cool is that? That's going to help you out. Have your jersey tell your story again. High5gear.com. Now, Mike, my final question for you, though, where can folks find out about you and reach out to you if they're maybe coming out for the women's tournament out there or the, uh, the Storm Youth Championships? Online. I have uh, on Facebook, it's Coach Mike Jazza, all one word. That's my Facebook page. You can always keep in touch with me there and message me through that page. My email address is bowlbetter at hotmail.com, so you can always email me through there. If you, uh, any women going out to Nationals want to make an appointment, I would definitely book ahead, by the way. My phone number in Reno to make appointments for lessons there is 775-335-8841. All right, Mike, we're going to wrap things up here. I started this new thing, and it, it seemingly has worked okay with everyone so I'm going to do the same with you. It's called the 10th frame, just kind of three short, kind of you know, more one-sentence, like yes-no type uh, responses, and there's three of them, so okay. they will be short. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so 10th uh, frame, first one. The, the biggest pet peeve you have regarding a bowler when they come and do a lesson with you? Uh, probably, and this happened after the World Series when I went to a few different centers, Looking in at their bowling balls, their equipment, I had so many people that their white tape was completely black because it was so dirty, hadn't been changed in over a year. Where the pros never have, would never have a dirty piece of tape in their ball because they change it all the time because their thumb some is different all the time. So probably not maintaining the bowling balls properly, uh, especially with the tape, not using tape properly. But again, if they haven't been taught, it's really not their fault. All right, 11th frame, strangest thing you have witnessed in Reno. At lane 81. This is my 19th year there. I think one of the, the, the coolest things for me is that when I had Oscar up there, he was practicing and Don Barrett was there. And uh, Oscar threw a spare shot. It was like 30 miles an hour. I said, wow, I think that's the fastest shot on lane 81. And they both laughed like, that's, that's not fast. And then Oscar threw a shot like 36 miles an hour. And I'd never seen the ball go that fast. And it's, it was so weird for me because I'm so used to hearing a ball hit and hearing it hit the pins. 
and the timing was so off because it happened so quick. It was just kind of freaky to me. It was awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in the 12th frame, what, what's one piece of advice you have for someone heading out to Syracuse to bowl the Open Championships? Uh, well, obviously now you don't know what the shot's going to be. So you want to use some common sense and logic. When they don't release the pattern, you can assume, I think it's a safe assumption, it's not going to be anything extreme. It's not going to be 32 feet. It's not going to be 50 feet. It's probably going to be a medium pattern. Yes, it's going to be a sports shot. And like every year at Nationals, on the fresh, there's not much hold. So don't plan on missing left and hitting the pocket on the fresh. There may be a little room to the right, but there is not room inside on the fresh condition. So don't plan on missing, you know, or, or have that in your head that, okay, there's not going to be hold on the fresh. When the ball hooks too much, it doesn't mean move the fourth arrow all of a sudden. It means make a better shot and get it out there. All right, Mike Jazout, thanks for joining me. You passed with flying colors on the uh, in the tenth frame as well, and uh, all the That's best. Kind of nervous. <laughs> this is now one of the second times when I've I've done these, and actually those have been the tougher questions than the than the actual interview questions. But absolutely, uh, all the best of luck. Just a way to get get to know your bowling coach, whether it's a coach, whether it's a bowler yep. like Jason Belmonte or someone. So thought those are kind of a fun way to do things. But Mike. Uh, always a pleasure chatting with you, and um, I'm going to have to make my way up to Reno to uh, to get a lesson and chat with you uh, coming up here soon. Yes, absolutely. Always a good chat with you too, Tim. Thank you so much for having me on again.